Hi, I'm Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. All right. And we are live with Ryan Snyder at Congregate. Director of production. That's your title, right? That is my title. That is correct. I head up the production and the QA teams at Congregate right now. I started over the summer uh, last June and it's been awesome. That's not a very long time ago, but I guess time flies and there's been quite eventful times, you know, with COVID and a lot of other things going on in the world. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's like, what is time anyway these days? So every, <laughs> every month it's like, it's only been a month. It's only, you know, so yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And I'm super happy to have you on this podcast because we met in San Francisco for GDC. It was super cool to meet some people uh, live again. And um, I'm obviously super interested in anything around organization and production. And it was a very interesting conversation we had around producers and production. Obviously, the title producer can mean a little bit different things at different studios and different publishers. But, you know, generally speaking, it is connected to production. And normally when I get into conversation around producers, well, okay, so what does the title mean at this studio or that studio? And that is a fantastic topic for today. But before we jump into that, for people that don't know you, maybe you can share, you know, briefly like your story that led up to this job that you started last summer, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I graduated college with a bachelor's in audio engineering. So I got out of college and I was doing a little freelance for ESPN on the X Games. I moved to Cleveland. I was working at a recording studio. I was working with all sorts of different bands and I was starting to build a production studio with the guy I went to work with there. And I had like a total panic moment where I was like, this is not the right place. This is not the right path. I got to get out of here. Moved back to Chicago and I was like, well, how do I combine like what I've been doing, audio engineering and some audio production with ESPN and X Games? What's out there in gaming? Like something I loved, did a lot of PC and some console. This is a long time ago. Uh, There's like a five year gap between college and when I got my first gig in the industry. So it was through, I was working with high voltage software. I was looking for that fit. Like what would fit what I had? What would kind of take a risk with somebody who didn't have experience? How do I even get in the industry? And I just started hammering them with resumes, got an interview, and then I just was consistent, right? It was like, hey, when we get a green light, we'll hire you. That took a while as well. And so eventually I landed the job there. And um, the first day on the job, my boss looked at me. He was the producer on the title. He looked at me and said, I have no idea what to do with you. So you're just going to have to figure it out. And I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. And I just opened up Excel and I sat down at my desk and I just started introducing myself to people and just started talking about problems they were having and just trying to wade through all those unknowns. It was funny. Like that was a very striking moment, you know, that I've never forgotten through my entire career. And believe it or not, that happened another time. But like, you know, when you have those kind of moments, you take that with you from job to job and roll to roll. I've never been anything but producer, you know, going from like contract AP all the way to where I am now. You know, I started to build kind of how I look at production now from that moment then of like, well, that's not a position I want to put somebody else in, right? That's not an experience I want somebody else to have. So how do I look at different producers and different people and their skill sets and help them succeed in the ways that they're good at and grow in the ways that they're not potentially? 
I've had a bit of a journeyman's career. I've uh, or journey person's career. I've been, you know, I've worked for uh, Disney Interactive, a wide load. I was a studio head or production director for Phosphor Games for a while. And so I worked at Midway for a while too. Uh, and then I was at Iron Galaxy before coming to Congregate Films in a similar role. And each of those places, like how I worked with producers and what I knew producers could or couldn't do kind of grew as I had small teams or different kind of challenges or had to take on a lot with a little to kind of where I am now. It's been a, a, a crazy wild ride, but it's been super fun. Well, that's some cool places you've been at before. And going then into the topic, you know, that producers aren't cut from the same cloth. Instead of me kind of leading in and step by step asking questions on that, because I know you have take on it. And last time we spoke about that, you know, my reaction was that I want to hear the deeper version. <laughs> so why don't you actually do that? I mean, I will definitely ask follow up questions, but I kind of want to get your spiel on that uninterrupted also. Yeah, yeah. Well, and feel free to interrupt because that'll be one of my weaknesses is <laughs> I'll just go on a tangent. So dive in at any time. But yeah, a lot of this kind of idea, as I was saying, started to build up from my early days in game production um, and then really started to get more seated at my, in my last role. And, and I'm continuing to refine it even now. And I think it's a learning and iterative process anyway. And that's just how it is to be in uh, in life and in, in your career. So hopefully I'm always learning and always evolving how I view things. In my last company, we were very fortunate to be working with such a different range of partners and different types of projects, be them straight technical ports, some amount of technical port with some amount of artistic vision in it, uh, full on creative development, a range of partners, which were some were like super hands on and they wanted a lot of details, some that were very hands off and just had a lot of trust and liked a little bit more of like the soft skills and communication. And in that too, you had various phases of games. You'd have games in pre-pro, you'd have games that were hot in the middle of development. You had games that were already done and were now being launched on a different platform. You had games that were about to close out. So you had a different range of kind of needs for each project, but then a different range of people that could potentially fit those needs. You know, it was one thing to start thinking about what are the kind of like career objectives, kind of skill sets somebody would have as a producer, right? Leadership skills, hard skills, soft skills, be they communication or how they manage people or, or that production vision, which is like my hand wavy abstract version of like a creative director as a creative vision. I think a very strong producers have that same kind of production vision just on the schedule and risk side. You know, we started looking at projects with a little bit more of those lens of what are those kind of specialties and who do we have at the company within the production team that could fill those specialties? But then also, what are the parts that each individual is wants to grow in? We'd have, you know, I've worked with producers who are like, I've never worked with a complex partner before. I've never worked with somebody who had a lot of requirements or needed a lot of information, or we had to navigate a, a particular like spicy set of milestone expectations or, or even like contract negotiations. And so, you know, I was afforded that, like that ability to be able to say, Hey, this project's coming up. This has that need. This is something that you've been really interested in developing. You're strong in these areas. And this is an area you want to grow in. This is going to be great for your career. You know, and I've had that work really well where I was able to point some incredible producers at a project and maybe it wasn't their dream project working on a game or a title that you don't really care about. Sorry, that's not the right way to say it, but like that maybe it's not your dream passion project. You care about everything you do, but you're pointed at a specific problem that you are now getting to get that challenge and get those kind of reps and practicing at it. That was like the first kind of foray into that idea that you would have that I had producers who were intensely incredible at being like a great like hype person for the team and a super fantastic cheerleader. Their soft skills were like off the charts, right? They could talk in front of the, the team and talk in front of the company and talk in front of the partner with ease. And they were just always the person that people wanted to be around. 
But then when it came to maybe some of the other side, that was where they had room to grow. It was harder for it to be very data oriented and sometimes very tactical oriented because you were so soft skills oriented. I've had a lot of producers who were super data masters. They were like fantastic at using the tool, fantastic at setting up processes that would feed into like burndowns and velocity and all the kind of nuts and bolts of a project. And those types of producers are fantastic for, you know, there are different areas that I could point that type of producer at that would be really helpful. And that's not to say that any one person who's in a niche can't evolve and grow. It was just a matter of recognizing like, Hey, this is an area for you to grow in. This is what you're awesome at. Why don't you crush it at managing art outsourcing where we need some more specific kind of guidelines and measurements of success, et cetera. That's a, a little bit of like where the idea started to come from. And then now it's, you know, I've been trying to think on like, well, what are those role types and what are those people types? And they kind of fall into, you know, we could make up any number of them, but I think of them as like, you've got the coach, the coaches of the production world, and they're like super great at hyping the team up, uh, but giving them really tough love. Maybe sometimes being a little bit too much on the tough love side. You've got like parent mode production people, which is kind of where I see myself a lot, which is like you're setting expectations and accountability. Um, you're in the tool, but you're not the, the tool wizard. You've got a lot of support and empathy for the team and you hold them accountable for when they're struggling, but you kind of manage it as you would. Like if, if your team was your children, like how you, how you have to deal with your children. And there's philosophers or people who have great ideas on what you should almost like the educational side of game development and project management or production management. They understand and know and read a lot of research and read a lot of, uh, they're very engaged in the educational community. They have a lot of philosophy on what things could happen, but maybe the, some of the struggle is on like actually putting those things into practice and seeing them through or navigating the changes that might happen. And then I talked a little about the hype person and then you've got the map maker or like kind of like an architect, which is almost like you're, um, it's almost like a producer who is, who loves the, almost like the PO hybrid type of role, but they're not a PO because those are often very distinct roles, but they like to wear that kind of product centric hat. And they really like to build out the roadmaps and really like to help set the vision for like longer term goals and shorter term goals and really drive the Tetris blocks of where your product goals should live. And they kind of serve a little bit of a hybrid. And then there's always that need for that biz dev kind of relationship role too, where sure, as a producer, you might not be doing a ton of biz dev day to day, but you have that special skill where the partner calls and like you take their calls at any hour of the day and like you can keep the calm or you can put on the pressure and you can actually hear and lock in with what that partner needs. And you will start to play that biz dev role where you're like helping them carve the needs for what your team might need later down the road. And you have just that special skill of working with people on the other side of the, of the coin when you're making a game. Those are just some of the things <laughs> that are like in my head as I, as I Hadouken them out to you. So I'll pause for a second. No, but this is awesome. I mean, you basically did an amazing GDC speech in just a few minutes. Oh, thank you. I would love to see you in like written form do those different producer types. We should maybe collaborate on an article or something because I think that would be cool. But I have a few questions on this. Do you believe that we are moving towards more specialization when it comes to producers? One of the things you see quite often is technical producer. And very often when I speak to people at the studio, they're going to be like, okay, it's so hard to find a good technical producer. But your approach here is, is more nuanced and sophisticated. It's more than just breaking that one out. It's actually a lot of different roles. Do you think that this means that we will see a higher degree of specialization? And a follow-up question to that would be, do you think we're going to call it technical producer? 
they had uh, the architect and the map maker. So it will be more, let's say, architecture producer, like Vista producer. Another alternative to that could be that we actually move away from the title producer and we're simply going to start calling these very, very different things. But there are these variations. Where do you see this going? That's a great question. So it would heavily depend on the studio and depend on what their needs are. Obviously, like that's always the caveat. I see the specialization and the way I look at it for how I try and view like recruiting production team members for congregate and how I'm viewing the team is it's almost comes more into that specialization comes really into hiring. And that's where you're thinking and looking at those same type of skill sets and understanding the types of products that you're making and the types of challenges that you have in making those projects. And then counterbalancing that with the types of roles that you would like to hire for to help with those needs and fill those gaps. But then also there's a other larger piece so just like, what is the kind of culture and the kind of team that you want to build? Because, you know, if you end up building a team that's all hardcore data, but you're, you know, running or very, or leading or very empathy-based, you know, they need a lot more soft skills. You're just going to offset that too much. So I don't know if I, we'll see people getting away from kind of tried and true, you know, AP producers and senior producers, but I've definitely seen a lot of personal success in considering these types of skill sets and these types of roles and how you're hiring and balancing out production teams within. So I might look at a team and say, all right, I, I do need some who's really, really strong at leading team meetings and running sprints and running daily stands and running retros and really engage the team. I don't right now need them to be like the stakeholder. They don't have to be as strong on that side. So you can fill the needs of your production team based on that. And then might, you might need to like your lead or executive producer to have a lot more of those skills that can help counterbalance some of that. I think it comes in a lot for how you hire and how you are looking for somebody. So instead of saying like, did you ship a bunch of games? Do you have this amount of years of experience? I'm sure then that you could fit exactly in with what we're doing because you have shipped games and you have experience and therefore fantastic. Well, let's just double down on that a bit because I think what you're saying around, but this is very much a hiring question. I think that's very true. And obviously the market is very hot. So for any person in position of hiring producers, I need to really think about this. Would you say that it would make, would provide an advantage to go more specific and say, this is really exactly what we're looking for. And are you that person? Or do you think that might not be the great strategy and you rather want to have other values being expressed when you say what you're looking for? And then you know, once the person is recruited, you kind of see where it fits. Which approach would you choose and would you recommend? You know, that's a great question. You know, there's no magic interview, especially for that I've seen in production. Unfortunately, like having worked at a lot of different companies and interviewed a lot, and I'm sometimes a glutton for punishment and I enjoy interviews. There's no range of pre-interview questions or even interview questions in which you're going to be able to gauge every single thing on a list or the way in which somebody's going to work or how they're going to tackle a really complex situation that you had never thought about before. I mean, that happens all the time. I try to look at these like a foundation. This will fill the need. We have company values and that's part of what we hire against as well. So I look for candidates that have a good fit for those company values. And then also the values that I personally have for what I want to see in the production team. I would say if you go too hard in a specialty that could backfire, if you want to have some of that breadth and what your opportunities are, are going to be at the same time, there's a lot of leaps in faith. You know, you hire somebody you think is going to be fantastic in the type of role they hired for and it doesn't work out. And that's how you learn and you kind of evolve this process. 
It's an interesting question, but I've definitely been able to take a few leaps where I've worked with some amazing producers, worked with some as well right now, some awesome producers that didn't have a lot of game experience, but they had other management experience or other software development experience. And by thinking along some of these lines that don't matter what field you're in, you can build up that, like, what does it mean to ship a game? And when we talk about X type of KPI or Y type of process, you'll understand that in time, but I can't teach you how to be a, a great people manager. Like, you know, you've learned that through your own development, your own growth. Having a lens on these helps with that, where you can say, all right, I can definitely take a leap. I can bring somebody in from an industry that's semi-adjacent, but not directly games. And that's why I don't always like to use years of game experience as a core tenant for how I'm going to interview or look at candidates. I think we got time for one more follow-up question. And I really want to ask you this. Because in the beginning, you know, you talked about producers being very hands-on and producers being very hands-off. There's some books and there's some people that people pay attention to who are talking about peacetime CEOs versus wartime CEOs. And I would like to connect that. Maybe that is also a bit applicable with the game development. My hypothesis is that it might be a different kind of person who's the best when things are going well to really make sure that it's going even more, you know, well. <laughs> If you're in trouble, you might need this, you know, somewhat different one. And, you know, when you said like hands on, hands off, I was intuitively thinking that, you know, the hands off one would be the peacetime producer and the hands on would be the wartime producer. I just formulated this thought when you said it. So this is not something I've been thinking too much about. I would love to hear your perspective on that. What happens when things go to shit? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I think about it in terms of the, you know, some of those like uh, lanes almost go from like needing a parent mode kind of producer who is really good at like giving rope and holding people accountable. But you're kind of blending the lines all the time between not being too hard, but being kind, but not being supportive. I mean, then sometimes you might need, you need that coach mode producer. And I've worked with some of those right now too, where you need that producer who is like, I've seen the shit, I've shipped X games. I understand what it means to be in that moment. And I can help make the decisions that push that through. And yeah, you shift from needing like that type of producer to a different. And I almost look at it too. And in phases of development, I've certainly worked with producers who love pre-production, right? They love blue sky iteration. They love gray box and prototypes. They love just that kind of messiness, super duper fun. But then it gets to production where you're less like talking about that and you're in execution. And then you're getting into ship mode and you need people who are like, no, we're closing this thing out. Like, which of these bugs are crashing the game? What's an A bug? What's a B bug? Let's do this. And you can staff your projects accordingly if you're building your production team with that mentality or you have enough producers to kind of do that where you've got producers who are like, I don't really love that blue sky phase. That's not my favorite. My favorite is more of like, we know this system. We know we have the architect. Let's lock it in and let's ship this thing. To your point, that becomes like that wartime producer where you're like, date's here. You know, it's coming up. Bug triage time and you're, we're getting in the war room now and you're having those meetings and you're like, all right, today at five, that's what we're doing. And you're going into full on coach. That's it. We're not doing that. We're doing this. That's almost like your end of development where you're almost turning your hat totally around. And you're like, all right, let's lock it in and let's get this thing done. You have a very strategic way of thinking about this. And as you said, if you are able to have enough producers to actually have that perspective, you know, that can be very, very powerful. 
Yeah. I know that a lot of this kind of plays into my experience of what I've seen, but it's not always possible. If you have a smaller team or you're building a team, if you've got three producers and five projects, you're not always going to have the luxury of saying like, now we mix and match like this, but you can still consider what they're really good at and what they need to grow in and balance out those skill sets across the different types of projects you have or the different needs and the timing of those projects. And so you know, I spend a lot of time thinking on and trying to help you know, not just our projects in that way, but also the production team in that way. Path isn't always, I go from being an intern all the way to being the top of the line production. I think there's lots of different ways you can maneuver within that path and have just tremendous success. And sure, it might lead to the same type of title, but the type of role that you play within each of those as you go can kind of shape shift and build you up in all those different kind of areas. So by the time you get to that point, you've got a lot of those skills and all those, you know, I don't even know what they would call that, <laughs> the top of like the S plus tier of production talent. I have a bunch of follow-up questions, but we're up on time. I think we're going to need to do like a session part two of this. Let's do it. Part two. That'd be awesome. We haven't even touched upon like the live aspect of things. That's like a whole new box to open, right? Let's make that um, a deal for the next one. Yeah, let's do it. Super thanks for this. This was truly great. I really hope you also take this kind of topic into something for GDC or something, because I really like your um, your approach to this topic. Thank you. This is something that people would enjoy. And for um, all of you who listened, if you thought this was interesting, please share so more people can um, take part of this conversation. And um, of course, follow independent on if you're taking part of this on YouTube or on Spotify or any of the other channels. Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. It was, was awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next round or two. And, and you inspired me to maybe see if I can get this uh, going for a GDC talk or something. That'd be fun. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.